listening to Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? And welcome to another issue of Imagine If. Uh, Chris, we're here today. We're going to be talking about a little bit of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, with, uh, I think, the release of the Volume 2 trailer, uh, we wanted to see what we can do in the DC Universe, but using the movie version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, how do you feel yeah. about that? Well, so this is this is our Imagine If challenge, and... The reason why I thought this one would be good was I, I recently just saw an advertisement for the Suicide Squad extended cut or whatever. They're supposed to make me watch the, the film that I should have watched. <laughs> the The marketing behind Suicide Squad was the fact that they basically wanted this to be their Guardians of the Galaxy, which, hey, it was a great idea. Um, it just didn't go beyond paper, unfortunately. And, well, no, it did. It should have stopped that paper, I guess, is the better way to state that. And, like, what if they had done it? What if they had just said to hell with it? Let's actually copy Marvel Comics. Let's do it. Let's dig through our cosmic catalog of characters, and let's make the movie, and let's put it together the right way, instead of trying to get me to think Captain Boomerang and Deadshot and Harley Quinn are such lovable people that they would willingly sacrifice of themselves to help other people. Right. Um, <laughs> so yeah that was that was my uh that was my reason for this one so i know we definitely we can dig up the the mine lines and and find way better ways to have done that film so hopefully <laughs> dc's listening and they'll uh they'll get us on the job here pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh w- but with that we're that's their challenge for this week and we're going to get to that you know uh in the later half of the show but let's talk about a little bit of comic book news and i, I know that you had a lot that you wanted to talk about this week so let's go ahead and get started yeah, oh my goodness. So if you're out there checking what we're posting and you know checking your other favorite websites, there's a lot of news. So let's see where to begin. I guess I'm going to jump in with Marvel side. Uh, there's some things to be excited about. Spoiler here, if you've been reading Clone Conspiracy, I hope you have because it's been amazing. Uh, we recently got a character back that Dan Slott was swearing up and down wouldn't be back, but... You know, we all knew and he knew that that was just, you know, that was flarf to keep you out of uh, keep you guessing. And it turns out the man in the red suit with the jackal mask was actually Ben Riley. Wow. Uh, ben Riley is the Scarlet Spider. He was the original Spider clone. Um, he's back and I'm excited. I just I've I love this. You know, I I, um, I know a lot of fans were kind of upset because they don't want to see Ben Riley be a bad guy. I guess uh, for me, part of the appeal of comic books is the epic that the character goes through. You know, like I think about, or, you know, he had his parallax days. His parallax days, he wasn't totally evil, was a good villain, and, you know, it obviously led to a lot of character growth, so I loved that. You know, he started off as a goofy sidekick, then he graduated into the Winter Soldier, and, you know, we saw the era where he was the, the dark assassin, you know, the Winter Soldier, and then, bam, now he's, you know, he's a great character. So, I mean, I love that stuff. I think it's great when a character gets to grow like that. So it'll be real interesting to see how Dan Slott tackles it. So 
if you've read Clone Conspiracy number three, make sure to get your hands on Amazing Spider-Man number 22. That'll be coming here very soon. Uh, get your hands on that one because that's where we're finally going to see Peter Parker versus Ben Riley, And they're also going to be talking about another Ben. Hmm. Not too many to choose from now. So uh, that's going to be very, very interesting. It's Ben um, Grimm. Darn it, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I, I want to. I think it's interesting to talk about the fact that you know Ben Riley, who's now back, has taken on the mantle of the Jackal, the one that uh, the man who created him. So uh, I mean, why do you think he would do something like that? Other than uh, other than that, what if you know this clone, this Ben Riley clone, has a little bit of uh, the Jackal's DNA in him? That's why he's evil. Well, but see, here's and here's what I like about that last part. I would have been wholeheartedly sold on your siding, but that last statement, he's evil. Technically, he hasn't done anything bad yet. All he's done is bring back missing loved ones, you know. So, yes, you could argue, well, you know, he's tampering with the dead. But so did Steve Rogers when he died and all the Avengers when they brought him back. You know, Thor does it. You know, every character's done it. We, we, we witness these rebirths happening all the time. So if Ben Riley can do it through science, and supposedly these are those characters. Like this is not, you know, a clone and they, they put some RNA data in there. No, it's clone after – or not – it's not the straight clone. It's basically the body re-science. So I know it sounds very similar to a clone, but it's not. So it'll be interesting to see. And, I mean, no, he hasn't done anything bad. I mean, yes, he's brought back some of the villains, but he's actually got them tempered and being, you know, normal. It's like, okay, well, look, I'm giving you a chance at life, so you're not going to do anything bad here. And the villains are like, okay, we're, we're not, you know. Um, so, you know, that that is interesting. How, how does Ben Riley connect to Miles Warren? How does he connect to this jackal? I'm curious about that myself because – when I was first looking at the art way, you know, a couple months back, I asked myself, I said, well, wait a minute, you know, why does his body look a lot younger and stronger? And obviously the suit, it's red, you know, those were definitely some good touches there to make you, you know, the clues were there the whole time. But what kind of held me back from making that conclusion was, you know, obviously the writer saying that I was like, well, you know, maybe I could believe him. Maybe he'll pull a Jeff Loeb. We don't know. Um, and then to top it off, you've also got these little Miles Warren, like, helpers. You know, there's, like, three or four little Miles Jets. So, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't know how they're going to answer that question because there's a couple different ways they could do it. But what's going to be exciting is that book, The Amazing Spider-Man 22, that's actually – that's what's going to cover that. That's what's going to talk about it. You know, so we're going to see what happened to Ben Riley after, you know, after he was turned into a puddle of goo, you know. So what if uh, – what if it – what if Dan Slott was telling the truth and it's it's not Ben Riley, but actually Miles Warren with, uh, you know, his face changed to look like Ben Riley, or even in a younger body, Ben Riley's younger body? You know, that that could be something that could be the play on it. Who knows? I I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I looking at the looking at the actual comic book itself and the preview pages for the upcoming comic. I, you know, the character keeps, you know, saying, look, you know, it, it, it's it's definitely me, Pete. You know, I, I I remember everything. I remember turning into a puddle of goo in your arms and I remember dying and I remember how painful it felt. You know, then even then it's it's the sincerity to be bringing back Uncle Ben. So, I mean, I kind of like I'm definitely maybe my my emotions are clouding my judgment and I'm wanting it to be Ben Riley so bad that I'll read over that. But I, I don't know. Nothing is really making me feel like it's the jackal since the mask has been taken off. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And I understand that. So uh, I can't wait to find out what you know what eventually happens with uh, that storyline. 
Yeah, so I am. I'm definitely very excited myself. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, that's that's going to be the issue. So who knows? I mean, you could be onto something there. Maybe Miles Warren is to a point where he's like tampering with that Parker DNA so bad that yeah, he's like, yeah, maybe I should just put my mind into one of these bodies and see what happens. <laughs> that's that one's going to be out there. So go go check that one out. Amazing Spider-Man number twenty-two. That'll be the the strong follow-up to Clone Conspiracy number three. And speaking of strong follow-ups, um, what's been going on in the Marvel Universe has been Civil War Two. I have a book called Civil War Two: The Oath. Now, this is a big one because it's the epilogue. Kind of funny is it's not written by Bendis, and I've noticed that about Marvel. They kind of seem to they get somebody else to write the epilogue, you know. So they're actually going to have Nick Spencer. He's going to be writing the epilogue. And why does that matter? Well, because he's been the guy writing the Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers Captain America books. So if you've been reading Captain America, we know that part of what happened to, to Steve Rogers to make him young again was the fact that he has a whole new imprint of his history. So basically, he's been raised as a Hydra agent. He's kind of, a, right now, he's a double player. You know, um, he's okay with, you know, the Red Skull. And he's even been convinced that he, Baron Zemo, like they were actually childhood friends. Um, so that's going to be kind of interesting to see, okay, well, what's he going to do in a world where Tony Stark and Carol Danvers have been fighting it out with this whole precog crimes you know right so it's because he's supposed to be the peacemaker of this so i'm curious to see obviously he's going to take advantage of the opportunity and this will be the book that'll help launch stuff it'll deal with how miles and clinton barton are feeling about being supposed killers in the civil war ii storyline the 25th of january so you've got a while but uh i think that'll definitely make up for civil war it'll definitely start putting it to bed that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) on the dc side of stuff so I, I this story should definitely be getting you excited i know it's actually for once it's got me excited um it's kind of funny because the nostalgia factor to it so year oh, decades ago i guess is better to say it, decades ago uh dc comics did crisis on infinite earths and they took their infinite worlds and they merged it all into one universe and it became a history lesson instead of a you know a parallel earth lesson and the first major crossover to happen out of that was legends and Legends is what gave birth to the Suicide Squad as we know it, a, a team of villains. And then eventually they finally had the Justice League versus Suicide Squad of the 1980s. And that was a big that was a big thing back then because Suicide Squad was actually a, a really good book. It's, it's on my list of stuff I need to read. Finally, you know, we're getting deep into the uh, DC Rebirth universe as it is. And um, we're going to have a ju- Justice League versus uh, Suicide Squad a story coming on up. But what's going to be exciting about this is ignore Suicide Squad. They're not the villains. So it's not going to be like, oh, cool, you know, Flash versus Captain Boomerang, Batman versus Harley Quinn. No, no, no. This is going to be those two teams are going to be manipulated by Amanda Waller and they have to come down and stop some major threats Um, on the team that they're facing. We're going to see the Emerald Empress should be excited about her. But something disastrous happens. So that's probably going to lay some seeds for Legion. Uh, Lobo, Lobo is going to be on that team. And what's going to happen after this event, we know Joe, we know Lobo is going to be part of the Justice League of America. So we'll see how he's going to fit into it. Dr. Polaris, uh, major Green Lantern villain. Now he's going to he's going to be returning. So we'll see how he comes back. A character called Rustum. 
Um, he's new, I believe, actually. I've, I've never heard of him before. Um, I don't really know much about him, so I, I can't give you any sneak peeks. Um, and two major characters that I'm excited that are on this team. I'll start with the lesser-known one, probably. Johnny Sorrow. Now, why is Johnny Sorrow important? Well, Johnny Sorrow is important because, and they even mentioned this in the story, he's going to be talking about these heroes that he fought, and everybody's just going to look at him and be like, who are you talking about? And he's going to be talking about a man who could see visions of the future an hour ahead, uh, a doctor who had no sight but was the best surgeon, you know, the world's smartest man. Well, if you recognize those taglines, you know those are the JSA. Not the Justice Society, not the 1940s heroes, but their counterparts in the future, generations later on. This was probably, what, the JSA of the 2000s era? Right. Um, great Johns, um, the David Goyer, and James Robinson. Those three were the writers behind it. They did fantastic stuff. If you haven't read the JSA saga, you should. It's available in trade paperback, omnibus. Go out there and devour it because it's amazing. Um, and one of their biggest enemies was Johnny Sorrow. He's basically this man in a red suit, and he's got this floating mask. There's no head. It's just this floating mask. And when he takes the mask off, he stone kills you. Uh, so he's a major character, got a lot of powers behind him. And then the mastermind that brings them all together. So that's going to be big because Maxwell Lord, he's the one who brought us the Justice League right out of, you know, the, the post-crisis you are. Yeah, the post-crisis universe. So, you know, he's always been a major character. But then eventually we, we read about him so much and we saw that he uh, he became a supervillain because he was the guy who took the Omax after Batman built them and and basically turned them evil. And he also killed Ted Kord, the Blue Beetle. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he remembers and what he's going to do, because part of this DC Rebirth universe, Ted Kord's alive what will that do to their comic book character history right yeah you know that's uh was it 84 when they had crisis on infinite earth uh yeah i believe so so you know 84 they had this big crossover event where we brought all these parallel worlds together and made it so that there was one streamlined timeline and and that was the best you know or that was what was best for that time and since then, we've had, you know, uh, Flashpoint, and then New Fifty Two, and then and now Rebirth. And I honestly wish that we would just have yet like another Christ on Infinite Earths event where we could just streamline the whole thing again. Because now it's just getting—I don't know, like—and and maybe maybe it's because I'm just not reading the comic books a- anymore. But it's just getting confusing because you got pre flashpoint superman and new 52 superman and then you know a rebirth superman and then you have uh what is it that max warlord's going to remember i mean he's still a bad guy but if you know stuff that happened pre flashpoint you know doesn't exactly exist uh, why is he a bad guy ted cord is alive again you know it's it's all too much i think uh for dc comics and i think that they need to have another event, and maybe that's five years down the line or ten years down the line to have another Crisis on Infinite Earth event, and that's what they're building up to. Uh, but I, I just feel, feel like that's what they need to do now. Yeah, well, there's definitely there was a lot of talk. Um, <clears throat> like I, I wasn't there, but supposedly out of one of the uh, Diamond Retailer events, they basically were kind of saying, "Look, we've got a two-year plan." I know Bleeding Cool. Rep- 
reported that and a lot of the internet fans got mad because they're like, I'm not going to buy two years worth of comic books because they felt like they had to buy every issue. And DC Comics themselves came out and said, look, we'd love that, but we're not expecting that. I mean, you know, you can skim Blue Beetle, you could read Green Lantern, but you could collect Superman, but you're still going to get the full story. No, I agree with you because it is tough, you know, like, um, you know, before we started this podcast, or this recording, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, these characters and it's like, for example, Jay Garrick. Now, you know, before Flashpoint, when you said Jay Garrick, that was one character right, right now about jay garrick we could be saying well are you talking about the justice society of the 1940s jay garrick or are you talking about the jsa 2000s jay garrick or are you talking about the new 52 jay garrick that lives on earth 2 and fights with the society and that's where it gets convoluted and i agree with you i i, I definitely i mean i love that stuff you know as i said i'm a cyclops fan so i'm like yes i understand timelines <laughs> you know and cable they're there I, I give them directions <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see where it's at but no i agree with you um, for a new fan this can be this can be tough this can be you know a lot on there but at the same time though i kind of like that because it makes the universe more coherent and it makes it bigger you know because okay for example green lantern no hal jordan and the green lantern Corps issue 10 just came out and in that, John Stewart and the GLC, along with the Sinestro Corps, they're all trapped in a bottle. The character likes to trap people in bottles, right? Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac. So wait a second. We're reading Green Lantern, and Brainiac just kidnapped everybody and put him in a bottle. What does that mean? And the bigger question, at least the question I'm thinking is, okay, about you know a while back we just had Convergence, and Convergence was the big DC storyline that you know eventually led to what Rebirth is, and we can see there that you know when we thought the Flashpoint happened, you know we just thought our old DC universe ended. Well, no, it turns out some of the cities were, you know, cherry picked and put in these little bottles and and sent to live on the planet Telos. And then eventually they were, you know, we discovered that the crisis was changed. Virgins, we have the post-crisis Superman and his wife Lois and their baby Jonathan, Black, and the Silver Age Barry Allen Flash and the Silver Age Supergirl and the, the Flash and Supergirl. Those were the ones that died in crisis. That group of people, they go back and actually fight in the crisis and they prevent the crisis from happening. The story that, that hasn't been told. So I think it's kind of neat that you directly reference Crisis on Infinite Earths because this could be, you know, who knows, maybe what? I think we've already celebrated the 30th anniversary of Crisis. So who knows, maybe the 35th or the 40th anniversary. What could be funny because this is another number that means a lot Crisis 38. Because 1938 was when Superman appeared. Yeah. So maybe in the history of Crisis, we could have something like that, and it'll do that. It'll basically line or explain, you know, like, okay, this Max Lord, this is what happened. This Ted Cord, this is what happened. You know, and this Superman, this is who he is. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a lot of room for adventure. I mean, we're the way through the plan. So it's going to be exciting to see, you know, so definitely just like I said, Green Lantern, that's part of the action. Um, Suicide Squad is going to be part of the action. So it's it's neat because each book has a seed and that seed's going to grow something. Because actually uh, talking about Ted Cord, that makes me think Blue Beetle. And obviously when Blue Beetle died on Countdown to Infinite Crisis, 
um, part of that storyline was dealing with the fact that the scarab that he never used, well, the scarab was supposedly looking like it was magical, right? Because he took it to the Rock of Destiny and the wizard Shazam was like, oh, yeah, you really shouldn't be messing with that. And then, you know, that's where we see Max Lord kill Blue Beetle. Well, then eventually the Scarab during the Infinite Crisis found its way to Jaime Reyes and Jaime became the new Blue Beetle. And he's got the whole, you know, symbiote cybernetic look to himself. Right. Right. Comics. They said that the symbiote actually or not the symbiote, but the Scarab actually came from. So we're kind of like, OK, I guess it's not al- or it's not magical in origin. It's alien. That's going to get changed here because I think the next issue of Blue Beetle they're going to talk about the origin of the scarab, and it sounds like the scarab is actually magical again. Wow! So a lot of why do you Go think? Ahead. Why? Well, I'm just saying. I mean, we know for a fact that uh, Ted Cord wasn't the first Blue Beetle. Uh, Dan Garrett was, right? So yes. So why? I mean, if we're if we're talking about rebirth and all these legacies, why not go back to Dan Garrett? Why not have him be the first? Or have him be the new Blue Beetle, or instead of bringing Ted Kord back. I, I know that you love Ted Kord, and, and trust me, I do too. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, why not give this give love to this Golden Age hero? Well, maybe you know, maybe that's that's where we should start looking when we think about Justice Society. You know, maybe maybe there will be a world where the Golden Age characters will be young and vital again, and that's where Dan Cor- or Dan Garrett should be. Wow, I didn't, I didn't think about him joining the Justice Society. That that would be interesting. And I mean, I know it's I, I don't know too much about Dan Garrett, but I know I, I I know when they introduced us to the Scarab in that storyline that you were talking about, uh, they said that he used the Scarab and he passed it along to Ted Cord. Yeah, um, yes. Yeah, so basically, the origins of the Blue Beetle, which is kind of funny because I never saw this. The Blue Beetle name is derived from. The Green Hornet. Right. That I can't believe that. That, that blew my mind. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. But anyways, yeah, Dan Garrett, um, I believe he was like an archaeologist out there on, on digs. And eventually he found the beetle scarab, which is what gave him his powers. But the thing is, he didn't go full out like Jaime did. He just has super strength, flight, ability, and, and a couple things like that. And that's all he had. He became a college professor. And turns out he was the college professor of Ted Cord. So Ted Cord was one of his students. Now, the tricky part about Dan Garrett, and maybe this is why DC doesn't play with him so much, owned by a couple of comic book companies before he made his way over to DC Comics. So that could, like the legal issue, could also be something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to imagine that DC, you know, is enough, has enough money to to uh, acquire what they needed to acquire to get him. Uh, but you're right that with the, the fact that uh, he, he was owned by a couple co- companies before coming to DC, there, there could be legal issues. Yeah. So that's the only thing I think maybe that's why they kind of stay away from him. I mean, he's been used before. I mean, we recently saw him in the Jeff Johns, Jeff Katz series when, you know, when booster gold brought Ted cord back from the dead. So, you know, we know he's definitely usable. Um, but so anyway, so yeah, he found the scarab. He was a college professor. Ted Cord was his student. Ted Cord was like, hey, look, my uncle, he's like trying to build these things. I don't think he's doing, you know, I, I think he's doing something wrong. 
certain tail cord head cords sailed the blue sailed the oceans they went to like the papagos island or something like that i forget where it was some some comic book place of course and the yeah uh, ted cord's uncle is one of those mad scientific geniuses who's going to conquer the world so there's a fight and um sadly dan garrett's wounds were you know they were they were very uh, damning to him and it wound up killing him he passed the scarab on to ted cord <clears throat> and Ted was going to fight on as the Blue Beetle, but when he was evacuating the island, he lost the Scarab. Oh. He a technology-based hero. And plus, that was also at the whims of uh, Steve Ditko didn't really want to make a you know super-powered superhero. And plus, at the time, Charlton Comics, they were basing their line of superheroes, the action heroes, all off the fact that they're non-super-powered except for Captain Adam. Oh. So they had characters and and that's what they would do so that was like nightshade the peacemaker uh the question and and you know the other the rest of the watchmen (laughs) and uh in comics and then eventually charlton comics got purchased by dc comics and they were folded into the dc universe um and that was just the history of you know blue beetle so that's how he came that's how ted cord came to be then it was funny because somehow ted found the scarab i think they ever explained in the comics it just happened which was convenient for Countdown to Infinite Crisis <laughs> and obviously for powers of Jaime Reyes. So, yeah, but I mean, I agree with you. I, I, you know, the more the merrier. And I think that's what they should do. They should do something like that, where if they do have like a, Eddie, uh, you know, an Earth 2, you know, do that. Give Dan a moment in the sun, too, because there are fans of characters, you know, and it's a shame when we don't get to see all the of the character, you know, like Ghost Rider. There's a lot of Ghost Riders out there. I'm a fan of Johnny Blaze, you know. It's not his moment. I'm okay with that, but it'd be nice to have something that, you know, I could read that has Johnny Blaze in it. Right. So, I mean, and, and, and just talking about DC again, I mean, when I started reading comic books, it was the late 80s, early 90s, and, uh, you know, DC Comics at that time was already uh, post-crisis, and any story that didn't take place on New, on, yeah, New Earth uh, was considered part of the hyper time, right? The, the, what, uh, Grant Morrison came up with. Yes. <laughs> and that's another, that's kind of another tricky question because yeah, the, the, the golden rule was anything before 1986, pretty much anything before man of steel didn't count. Right. Didn't count. And so from 1986 till God, what was that? That was, so maybe what 1993 1994 any story in between that just was its own and then yeah grant morrison and mark wade they came up with the idea of the hyper time and the hyper time was to serve exactly that purpose and on top of that not only did it just say okay well all your old dc comic books count now all your elseworlds comic books count too because that's what it was it was kind of a a precursor to bringing back the infinite earth's idea Right, and but but see, that was, it was just, a, I, I don't know, I always felt it was just a way to include those stories, but they weren't part of canon, they weren't part of history, so that, it, it made me okay with it, but, you know, after, uh, was it Infinite Crisis, we started to get multiple worlds again, it's like, wait a second, what what are we, was it Infinite Crisis? Yeah, it was Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah. When, when yep, exactly. Alexander Luther was the hands moving shit together, and then we got... Uh, Superboy Prime coming through, killing worlds and stuff like that, and then Flashpoint changed all that again, which was not that much time time later, I don't think. 
and nope. and then New Fifty Two, and New Fifty Two says, "Oh, there's fifty two worlds out there. Guess what? You know, this is where your JSA exists, and this is where this exists, and it's just like I don't know. To me, it it. I mean, I I guess you can get if they were to stick with that. If they were to stick with that with in New Fifty Two, you could get another. You could get the retelling of the story of the Flash on two Earths, you know, which is cool. We could get a, a whole new version of that. But did that happen? Well, you have the the Wally of two Earths. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that now? Uh, well, and it's tricky because the Flash of two Earths, the, they they actually did revitalize that story because instead of it being you know obviously parallel Earths, it was just that the Fiddler those old Flash villains. It was like the Fiddler. Um, Man, the monocle and the third one—I forget—he's he and he's a big one too. He's the magician and he wears all black and he's got the cane. Is it Abracadabra? No, not not that one. It was the 1940s uh, version of him, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what they did was they managed to find a way to vibrate the city so nobody ever really saw it. Right. Yeah, that's how they re- they did it after. Which- uh, prices on infinite Earth, right? Yeah, exactly. But so uh, I thought that was kind of a neat throwback to the original story. But yeah, no. Oh, I, go ahead. I, no, I, I get that. And then, uh, and which is, a, a, yeah, a great way to include the original story, but then update it to the fact that we all exist in one timeline now. But you know, after after Flashpoint or after New Fifty Two, I should say, um, they you have you don't even have Wally. Well, you don't have. The original Wally, I guess. Uh, you have uh, the the new Wally that has the silver suit. Well, okay, so <laughs> and that's that's a that's a funny, complicated issue too. Because yeah, we've got okay. So let's say I like to call them Wally and Wallace. That's, right. I would the Wally we remember that you know he was the nephew of Barry Allen because Barry Allen was married to Iris West. You know, and, and Barry Allen sacrificed himself during the crisis on Infinite Earth, so Wally West became the Flash. That guy got lost somewhere in the New 52. And to me, I think that would have been great because if you remember, I don't think he was actually included in Flashpoint. No, I, I don't believe he was either. Yeah, like he didn't have any story or anything. And even then, I remember they had one book that kind of dealt with Bart Allen. I'm like, okay, well, Bart is... Um, Bart is dealing with being lost in time. So that could have been a great way to save those two characters. That maybe if Bart was lost, so was Wally and nobody paid attention to it. Um, and then obviously with DC Rebirth, that's the story that brought Wally West back. Right. I mean, obviously it was, a, it was a very big part of Rebirth. I mean, he was the first issue to basically yeah. rebirth the, uh, the, the universe. Yeah, and so the the Wallace West that we got was the new um, new version of the character, and they're basically going to keep them and keep them as two separated characters. So I mean, I, I, exactly that's what's tough about it because not only you know it, it, at least when you said oh Flash, you could be like well which one Jay Barry or Wally? Now you say Wally, and you're like well which one? <laughs> yeah, know? no, no. That's, I mean that's that's too true. I mean we uh, and. and I'm all for having more flashes. That's fine, but but you have flashes that exist on different timelines in different worlds, and then different, uh, uh, probably even different eras. So what? I mean, what's how, how is it that we're, you're? Uh, 
how is it that you keep a coherent story for the casual reader, I guess, or even you know, the you know the person that's that's hasn't picked up a comic book yet? Well, it's it's definitely. I mean, it, it's tough. It's unfolding. I guess is the best way to describe it. It's unfolding. The the saga is happening right before us, which is exciting. Like, I mean, I personally, I think this is neat and and exciting um, because we do get some characters out of the deal in some cases like obviously wally and wallace west you know that's kind of cool we've got two versions of of you know the flash that we know um another character that went through that makes me think of helena the huntress i says helena wayne was the huntress and she was the daughter of bruce wayne and, and selena kyle then after the crisis happened well you can't have batman be married to Catwoman and we don't want to lose that character of the huntress so they created helena bartonelli and she was the daughter of a mafia gangster who was killed. So she became the Huntress to avenge him. Then after that, with New 52, we got Helena Wayne back because she is totally from Earth 2. And we also have Helena Bartonelli. So we do actually have two Huntresses. So in some cases, they've done a good job of making it work. And in some cases, they're basically kind of unfolding it, you know, because, right, like I said, with Jaime, Jaime Reyes, they're going to redo his origin. Um, we're also going to learn about Ted Cord as we go along the way because it's like, yeah, you know, Ted Cord. I think it was Greg Rutka. You know, he was at one of the comic book conventions and a fan asked him, hey, is Ted Cord going to be coming back? And Greg was like, no, there was literally a hole in his head. You could see the hole in his head. <laughs> well, sorry, Greg Rutka, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I saw that there was literally a uh, beaten to death uh, Jason Todd who blew up. But he came back, so shut up, Greg Rucka. <laughs> yeah, get Superboy mad or he'll start punching walls. <laughs> okay, look, I got the solution. And this is going to be great for me because I'm a, a, a 90s comic book reader. Uh, we just get access. You know, I, 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 I know DC used them after the Marvel DC amalgamated comics. And instead of him combining characters to make right. the Marvel DC amalgamated universe, he'll just make the DC condensed universe he'll just grab helena he'll call he'll grab helena bartonelli and helena wayne and just be like okay you two go together now and then boom we just got helena bartonelli or helena wayne if you want to make it so that batman has a daughter <laughs> I, I i could dig it i mean i because I, I, I the reason i want access is maybe he'll get us that much closer to having a dc and marvel crossover <laughs> we desperately need one <laughs> i think um, both both companies are basically in a weird scramble right now that they couldn't do a, a Marvel versus DC part two right now. Like you, we would literally have to just uh, clean up both universes and then uh, wait, you know, maybe five years and then we could have it. Yeah. But see, I think maybe, maybe the crossover is what happens is we have, you know, the, uh, the crisis of infinite stones and earths, you know, with the emotional <laughs> spectrum. And from that, yeah, that's where we, you know, where we can really take characters and say, okay, look, you know, because, yeah, Spider-Man got convoluted. You know, if you say the word Spider-Man, somebody on the street, a casual fan could actually ask you, well, are you talking about Miles or Peter? And it's like, wait, what? You know, so as bad as DC, you know, hey, who's Thor? Well, are you talking about the Odin son or are you talking about Jane Foster? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, or I mean, Iron Man now, or I don't know if they they ended up calling her Iron Maiden or something like that or, or what, but, you know, and this is fine. Make legacies, make, make characters, but, you know, we just have to be able to keep the story straight. 
Well, exactly. And that's that's the biggest part, because it's funny, because that was the question why Kyle Rayner and Wally West didn't make it, supposedly, as the big guys. Why can't you do a Kyle Rayner Green Lantern movie or a Wally West Flash movie? And people always said, well, you know, try to explain the origin of Kyle Rayner without using Hal Jordan. Try to explain the origin of Wally West without using Barry Allen. Right. So that's came their problem and that's why barry and hal are back because it was like well if we're going to talk about them we might as well just use them and and that's what i like like what you just said is we we can't have this convoluted storytelling and that's what it should exactly be like if you're a writer corner then point you know write yourself out of that corner make the stories exciting because yeah i totally you know i i've got this great idea for a crossover you know blue beetles and scarlet spiders you know and I could totally have Ted Cord and Jaime Reyes teaming up with Kane and Ben Riley, and you know they're going to fight off the Jackal and Max Lord, and it's going to be fantastic. You know. <laughs> well, there you go. You're you're the new access, and we'll see what what they end up doing with each other. <laughs> I got to get myself that red and blue jacket now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I, I've I've uh, um, thrown you off enough off course enough. If you want to get on with the, the your last. Uh, comic book story or news story yeah okay so this one's a major one it's kind of funny because we 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 actually probably already talked about it um superman reborn reborn isn't that the marvel version of the word sounds sounds uh pretty important yeah yeah oh this one's gonna be big um so yeah okay so superman reborn so fans if you've been reading the superman books you know it's coming um, if you've been reading the DC Direct Currents magazine, you know it's coming. Well, finally, the advanced solicits are telling us that. I begin in Superman number 18, which will be Superman Reborn Part 1. And you basically, you want to be reading the Superman and Action Comics books. They're both going to crisscross here. And what's going to be exciting, what's exciting for me, convoluted. <laughs> well, the actual, if, if you get a chance when you go online, and I'll probably post this up, if you look at the cover to Action Comics 976, you'll see two Supermen on there. And if you look at the comic book costumes correctly, you'll notice that that is pre-Flashpoint, post-Crisis, married to Lois Lane, Superman, also the new 52 Superman. And, you know, they're, they're up there flying side by side. And what's amazing about that is the new 52 Superman was actually killed in the line of duty. And that's why we have the Superman we have, because there needs to be a Superman. The thing that's exciting about that artwork is they have red and blue energy coming off of them. And that's pretty big because as we've, if we remember our 90s very well, we had Superman blue and Superman red with the electric powers. So I'm curious to see what is that going to bring? What is that going to do? And this character that we've called Superman New 52, what are we going to call him? Yeah. <laughs> And then the funny part about all that is, you know, what's going to happen with the secret identity of Clark Kent? <laughs> yeah, you know, I assume that we'll have. I mean, I, I have to assume that one of the Superman, one of the Clark Kents, is going to have to take on another name, just like Ben Riley did or Kent Kane did. But uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of interesting, and also echoing what you just mentioned there with the Spider folks, I do find it funny how. <clears throat> um, the timing is just hilarious because right now we have the clone conspiracy, right? And that's basically, you know, Kane is back as the Scarlet Spider. Ben Riley is back as the Jackal. And we have Peter Parker. So you've got three versions of Peter Parker running around out there. 
um, the Superman Reborn being announced, you know, we have the Superman that we've known from the 80s and 90s and early 2000s alongside the new 52 Superman. So it's kind of funny how these stories are very similar. They'll write themselves out of the box. Yeah. Yeah, definitely fans. This is, a again, like we were talking about, there's a two-year plan. This probably takes us about a quarter of the way through. Um, so I would jump on it if I were you. This is definitely something I know I'll be ordering and reading. I recommend you jump on it as well. Um, because one of the major players, if you're looking at the covers, Superman number 19. Who's Mr. Uh, I think they call him Mr. Oz, or they just call him Oz. The fan speculation has been that this Oz fellow, he is actually Ozymandias from the, which is also another big ramification to our new DC universes, that supposedly the Watchmen characters will finally interact with the DC comic book characters. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's going to be major. Um, it looks like this is all starting, if I remember correctly. Actually, when do these solicits? They are advanced for the comics on March. So, yeah, come March, we're going to have a major, major crossover between the Superman books. That's going to definitely add some new lore and history and confusion to the DC universe as we know. <laughs> All right. Out there and pick. Good to know. Uh, are you good with news? Are we going to go ahead and move on to our challenge? Yeah, I think so. I think that was a lot of news. I know if I was a fan listening, <laughs> my wallet sounds crunched. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hopefully maybe someone will uh... – Buy buy them a subscription for Christmas. <laughs> hey, there you go. That's true. The holidays are coming. <laughs> okay. So as we were saying earlier, we were talking about basically with the you know the popularity of Guardians of the Galaxy the movie, we wanted to create a team. Well, let me give it to you. You it was your challenge. You wanted to create a team. Yeah. So basically, what what I saw was with the. Uh, the hype of Suicide Squad, with the hype in the advertisement, I noticed that there was a lot of talk, and it basically really made me feel reminiscent to Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's been a lot of discussion out there that basically that was DC's idea. We wanted you to feel that Suicide Squad was going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy and watch it and feel the same love, hope, and joy that Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon gave you. Um, I didn't. I think a lot of fans felt that way. Um, I don't know if, you know, have you watched the extended cut? Of the Suicide Squad? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, um, sounds like that's what we're doing for Christmas. I'm going to I'm gonna bug you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I don't know if it's going to make it any better or not. But anyways, with that, I, I thought about it and I just, I thought to myself, like, come on, DC, why didn't you just do it the right way? If you're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy, just do Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, you know, they've been around longer than Marvel Comics. They have a stronger cosmic force than Marvel Comics does. You know, and even then, the actual Guardians of the Galaxy, the ones that we saw in the movie, they're literally 10 years old yet. You know, like that group of characters, it's so new. It's like, wow, talk about making a risk and making a movie off of a property that hasn't, you know, isn't even old enough to shave. Right. Yeah, so so the challenge was, all right, I want you to go through the DC catalog of characters and make your own Guardians of the Galaxy. What would you make your team? Who would be on your team? Who is, you know, like who's your Star-Lord and, you know, so on down the line? And what what villain would they fight? You know, kind of make a quick pitch of your own DC extended universe movie. Right, yeah. So, I mean, what like you said, there is plenty of uh, older characters uh, that – that have to do with uh, cosmic uh, DC that could 
really do this type of uh, uh, team justice. So uh, I really enjoyed doing this uh, challenge. So let me uh, go ahead and do, do mine first since you threw the challenge out and see what I came up with. All right, sounds good. Let's hear it. Pull it up. All right. So for <laughs> for my Star-Lord, or Peter Qu- Quill, yeah, uh, I went with Adam Strange. Like, for me, it's very much the uh, same type of character where, you know, in the Adam Strange universe, he was, uh, 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 was he a scientist? Or, yeah, he was a scientist, right? That got beamed up by a Zeta Beam to uh, Ran, but, uh, just by happenstance, I believe. And uh, kind of takes from the John Carter John Carter of Mars storyline, where he kind of becomes their their hero for the the city of science or whatever, and uh, wears that jetpack, shoots a laser beam kind of thing. But I, I really think that he would be uh, he would be the hero in this. Like he'd be the story that I'd want to follow. And also have to take into like maybe in this universe that I'm creating. Uh, his love, Alana, and his daughter, Alina, don't exist <laughs> so that I could have these other stories go around. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, you know, I kind of, I, that's kind of where I built my whole, my whole team around was around this one particular character. Uh, Sounds good. I like that. Okay. And it's a good pick. Got a lot of history. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of history and, and, and he's one of those characters that shows up a lot, like just out of nowhere. Like, you didn't, you didn't think that you were going to be seeing Adam Strange. Uh, with my Gamora, I went with, I mean, it's a character that I, I remember seeing in the, in Grant Morrison's J- JLA book in the nineties. And I don't remember really seeing her very much elsewhere, but I, I guess doing the, the research on her, she showed up more recently, uh, tomorrow woman, which was a Android created by TR Morrow, who I believe also created red tornado Yeah, and Amazo. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he's responsible for those characters. So he uh, he, he creates Tomorrow Woman to be uh, uh, infiltrator. She's supposed to infiltrate the Justice League, kind of like the storyline the storyline of Vision. Infiltrate the Justice League, become a hero, but then eventually turn on them to uh, defeat them. But she gets her own conscience and you know becomes more sentient and decides, no, I'm I'm a good person, so I'm not going to do that and basically turns herself off. So, you know, the the Gamora that we see in the movie is forced, almost, I mean, pretty much forced to do the bidding of Thanos uh, because he killed her her family and made her his adoptive daughter. Um, but she is still good in the end. Uh, right. So next is my Drax. And the way that, I mean, obviously the way that they portray him in the movie and I don't know about him too much in the comic books, but in the movie he's he's just a force of nature. He's he's literally super strong and uh and m- maybe not the best with words, but uh, I would never say that he was dumb, especially not to his face. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with the uh the Frankenstein character that they have in DC Comics, the one that's part of the Monster Commandos, I believe, or some, some the squad's called something like that, right? Creature Commandos, there we go. The yeah. Creature Commandos, thank you. So yeah, I mean, uh, once again, a character that can take a lot of damage because he's already dead, but is also super strong and uh, very, um, uh, you know, strategy savvy and, and able to fight alongside uh, 
Tomorrow Woman and, and Adam Strange. My Rocket, now this is where I went a little, you know, I went a little off because I didn't pick a furry character, uh, <laughs> which would have been good to do, but I, I guess I just didn't know enough. But I went with Ryan Choi, who is the, I, I would say that he's, the third Adam, but I'm not sure if he if if that's the right numbering or not. I know he's the the apprentice to uh, Ray Palmer, or the one that took it up after Ray Palmer. Uh, I was not definitely Adam three. Okay, so he is okay. He's the third, third Adam with the the first one being the one that was in the Golden Age JSA, right? Yeah, exactly. Al Pratt, the the mighty <laughs> the the small angry guy, yeah. <laughs> the mighty Mike. Uh, yeah, Ryan Choi. Like I, w- I would say now with Ray-, Ray Palmer back, you know, he maybe he felt like he didn't have much to do as the Atom anymore, so he takes his Atom suit and decides to go off into space. And uh, basically, after he kind of created my Groot character, which is uh, working with Ray Palmer as his his assistant or professor or teaching assistant. Uh, he, you know, Ray Palmer was visited by, uh, Will Magnus, the creator of the mag, the metal men and Will Magnus showed him a busted response meter, which creates the metal men. And with that, uh, he places, Ryan Choi places the response meter in a vat of nth metal, which comes from Thanagar and creates a nth metal metal man, uh, or an nth metal man. <laughs> So you have a uh, you know uh, a metal man that has the strength and durability of nth metal and can fly because that's a property of nth metal. I dig that. I like and I I like your created character there, and it's actually kind of cool because now that I know his origin, you know, it's like okay, so he's built by the atoms, ology of the metal men and Will Magnus. And he also has some ties to Hawkman yeah. in outer space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going for. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to put uh, Hawkman in there somewhere, and I was like, well, this is. I think this is probably the best the best way to do it without actually having Hawkman. And uh, uh, and you know maybe his best busted response meter doesn't allow him to talk, which kind of gives him the whole I am Groot feeling. And obviously, that's the Groot from the movies and not the ones from the comic book. Uh, and finally, my Ronin, the accuser, my bad guy in this storyline would be Empirics. Now, I'll have to admit, the only storyline that I ever read with Empirics was uh, Our Worlds at War, or was it World War Three? No, it was Our Worlds at I War. Think, yeah, I think it was Our Worlds at War. Uh, yeah, and you know that was a pretty big storyline in the DCU at that time. That he, I believe, he ended up. He's the one that crash landed in kansas and and killed off a whole bunch that whole like state almost and killed that did that ended up killing uh uh pa kent right that's what they wanted us to think yeah first it was like uh oh this this did it it killed pa kent but now luckily oh that's right he came back he was alive and it ended up killing sam lane uh lois lane's father yeah there you go that was the that was the father that passed yeah but uh, I ended up calling them the the challengers of the galaxy because I thought, you know, uh, as we, um, we talked about the challenge bef- without recording, uh, the whole idea, they, you know, it's kind of similar to the challengers of the unknown, a, a title that um, that DC really doesn't use anymore. So uh, that's I thought was interesting. 
Totally. No, and I dig that. I, I your your book has a lot of history to it. Um, I mean, obviously, Adam Strange. Adam Strange, I don't know if he's genuinely considered a Silver Age character or not. Like, it might be like, oh, he actually predates the Silver Age or whatnot. But he was definitely the start of uh, the science fiction, you know, mystery and space Actually, that was the comic he appeared in, was Mystery in Space. So I, I, I dig that, you know, and, and, I, and I like your characters because they have those connections. And I don't, I don't even know if you know that they have those connections because Frankenstein, for example, DC Comics, when they were doing the, um, oh God, what was it called? Um, Future's End. So they were doing a weekly book called Future's End. Uh-huh. And, you know, because that's that's what you do. You, you want to have as much... You know, it's it's the weekly universe book. And so obviously they had some moments where they were in outer space, in outer space. And it was Black Adam, who I guess in the new 52, he never was the Atom, but he was on their team and he had his costume. And in Hawkman, it was kind of cool because you it, I know you didn't read Future's End, but that's kind of cool because you were bold enough to take a character put him in outer space and obviously it's shown it works you know take this character and because everybody wants to think oh well let's let's have him fight in world war ii or our fight you know uh in castles with demons and whatnot and it's like no he actually works very well in space so i like that because your characters they do have touchstones to them and i think that's what's neat is they're obviously kind of i don't know if you also noticed that too they're very much loners right it's perfect that they can work together to build their own team so they you know now they have their family they're not kind of suckered in everybody else's family they're kind of pulling on their own so i think that's cool um your villain is huge you know imperix holy cow yeah at that time when our world's at war was going on that was a superman story but it affected every dc book i mean they even had if i remember correctly i think they did nightwing our world's at war and it's like wait what nightwing <laughs> Huh? How does that happen? But that was pretty cool. They did. So I dig it. I would I'd watch that movie. And for once, I wouldn't be watching it because of, well, I want to see the ongoing story. I'd actually be watching it because because you wanted to watch that that particular story. Yeah, well, I, I would, your your movie excites me enough that I want to see it. You know, it's it it sounds like it's a good idea. Like for sure, you know, obviously we you'd have to write the comic to get it to launch. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a good idea. I dig it. All right, done and done. I just have to kill off Alana Strange and Alina Strange and make Adam <laughs> Strange this very distraught father. <laughs> Well, what you could do is you, 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 for the sequel, you know, you could have a, the, the challenger of the galaxy, a woman scorned. And this is where <laughs> of- Fair enough. I, I like it. All right. Well, that was uh, that was my lineup. Let's let's go ahead and get yours. All right. So what did I do? Well, I decided I the, the first thing I thought about was the name. Um, if you look at the history of the Marvel comic book Guardians of the Galaxy, as we know it, the, the movie characters. So it began in the Annihilation Conquest books. So it actually, it all begins in Thanos number seven. And Thanos number seven reintroduces the character of Star-Lord. Now, he's totally different than what we've seen in the movie or the current comics. You know, um, his character was just totally revamped. I mean, gosh, when he first appeared, he had brown hair. Now he's kind of blonde because Chris Pratt is kind of blonde, you know. <coughs> through a lot of radical change um but so anyways so i thought about all those things and i thought about the history that these characters have 
So the first important thing was to get the name. So I, I went like you did. I went to the challengers, but I decided to keep it the unknown because uh, I felt that was kind of a neat callback to Star Trek, you know, into the final frontier and, you know, space, the great unknown and things like that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep that title. They'll be the challengers of the unknown. Okay. That's, that's, that's going to be my team name. Um, and then it's all going to, and again, thinking about how could I put this in the DC cinematic universe, so I took it, it's, it's pretty much taking place when Suicide Squad should have happened. So at this point, we only have, you know, uh, Superman, or sorry, we only have Man of Steel. And um, so we only have those two movies. So the first character I thought of, I said, okay, well, who's going to be my Star-Lord? So I went with my own personal choice. I went with Mr. Miracle. The reason I picked Mr. Miracle is because I felt he's kind of like Star-Lord. You know, he's a character from another planet he's he's always been very hip vital um and plus i like the connection that he has to dark side which i feel should be the dc cinematic universe's major villain which i think they also agree i think they're going that route too so i thought well this could speed up that process and introduce those characters a little bit quickly so i'm going to take mr miracle and i'll tweak his story in in the comics he he escaped apocalypse and went to earth well, in, the, in, in my movie, he's going to escape Apocalypse, but he's not going to make it. He's actually going to land on – I'll probably steal some beats from the Rand-Thangar War. He ran, he'll probably land on those planets as they've merged or something. you know. So that's where he's going to be. Um, my next character, dealing with – following the order you went with, so Gamora would be next. So I, I thought about it again. I thought, well, who's a strong fighter, space warrior of the DC Universe? So I almost went with Maxima at first. But I just I didn't feel the appeal was there, so I decided to go with Starfire. Ooh, um, I thought she was cool. She's she's definitely got some character. She's got some recognition, you know. And I thought it'd be cool. And plus, you know, she's got that whole vibe. You know, I'm a dangerous. You know, I'm a dangerous woman because Starfire. You know, yeah. You know, if you read her sometimes in Teen Titans, she seems real cute and cuddly. But no, there's sometimes where she's just like you see those red fire hers and you're like oh man this is gonna get bad real quick so i thought i would go with starfire there for drax now this was a big one and i'm gonna take a major leap here i i chose my drax character to be martian manhunter wow so i'm yeah i'm going with john jones because he got snubbed you know he wasn't introduced or he's not going to be in the justice league so i thought to myself he's a major touchstone character of the dc universe that's not fair so I was like, okay, well, fine. You know, I'm taking him. So I'm going to put him on my team, and he's going to play the part of Drax. And what's neat about that is Drax in the movie – well, okay, in the comics, Drax is actually an Earthman. Oh, really? Um, he's an Earthman who was given – yeah, he was given alien superpowers. He was basically supposed to fight Thanos because Thanos – when Thanos came to Earth, killed his family. I don't think that's the origin they're going to go with. I think that very much Drax is going to be alien. So I thought to myself, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep Martian Manhunter. He's going to be alien, except, well, I'm going to have it be, I'm going to have it be Despero, my movie. So spoiler alert, <laughs> but I'm going to have it be Despero. And why did Despero do it? Because Despero is a henchman of Darkseid. And I'll explain more of that in a minute. So that gives John Jones a little bit of a darker edge. You know, and uh, I'm going to, you know, play up, you know, I'm going to play up his man on a mission of revenge. I'm going to steal that from Drax and give it to John. For my next character, we were looking at Rocket Raccoon. So I thought I would go with Chip. Chip is the lovable little 
chipmunk or sorry squirrel squirrel green lantern uh that we've seen in the comic books he can be annoying or he can be great um i know in the 1980s he was an awful character like he was just he sold people out and then he tried to commit suicide he this i i don't know what they were doing with him (laughs) and so again this is another character where i thought okay you know what here's what i'm gonna do with chip so chip himself I'm going to make him basically he's my tech guy, just like Rocket was. Right. Except here's the neat thing about it. Superhero Chip used to have a Green Lantern ring, but something happened that prevented the Green Lanterns going from being what they were. So this can also explain why there's not a Green Lantern in the Justice League film and why there's not Green Lanterns out there in space patrolling. You know, something happened. Somebody suppressed the light. And again, that's going to be Darkseid using one of his henchmen, Sinestro. So instead of doing the whole parallax thing, I'm just going to condense it and make it that Sinestro was the one who stopped the GLC. And there, and he's been wandering around space trying to recover his ring, trying to, you know, get get back to being what he was a green lantern my next character would be the groot character now this one i, I did some research and I, I i dug through the vaults of the dc universe to find some characters and this is a character i'm not too familiar with but i think it works because groot groot's a totally different character than what we've seen in the comics and what he was played on in the movie um so i decided to take this character ultra the multi-alien okay what's that I said, okay, I, I've never heard of that character. Yeah, he's he's way out there. He's something else. Uh, first appeared Mystery in Space number 103 back in November of 65. So what happens is four aliens crash land on this planet, and it's not necessarily Earth, but the, the – the, actually, no, it is. He was an Earth spaceman, Ace Arn. So he was living in the future where spaceflight is commonplace. So, you know – these four aliens and ace all crash on a planet and the four aliens are going to use their guns on, 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 on somebody else. It makes them their slave. So all four aliens shoot ace at the same time. Well, because he gets shot becoming an amalgam of the four characters. So like his upper right portion is this green ape looking thing. So he's going to have super strength um, his left leg is going to be like a bird talon with feathers and a little wing on it, so he'll be able to fly. Right portion is this blue zombie alien-looking thing, and so that's going to give him magnetic powers. And then his his uh, left leg is actually going to be like a lightning bolt, and that's what gives him lightning powers. So, th- you know, that'll obviously kind of give him the whole, like, because he's a creature of amalgam, there's going to be points when he says stuff, but it'll be like basically he'll speak five languages, languages of each alien. And then, you know, conveniently American English <laughs> because the whole space galaxy runs off of American English. <laughs> and so he's always going to say something and we only get one fifth of the puzzle. So I thought that'd be kind of cute to play with that kind of like they did with I am Groot. So, you know, he'll say something and at some points it'll be like kind of like electric current. Uh, another time he'll say something and it'll be like bird calls another time he'll say something it'll be like a monkey screech and then another time when he says something it'll be like a foreign alien language and then finally the fifth one will be uh, american english and so he makes up my final character so these five characters uh, mr miracle starfire john jones chip and ultra 
they are gathered together on the planet Ran, which is merged with the planet Thanagar. And what's going on is Despero, who will be my Ronin, he's the one who's got this green power source and he's using it to will the planets together. Tip is there if you catch what I'm going to do here. I think so. So he's he's using that to to destroy these two planets because Darkseid said, "Hey, you know, get rid of the get rid of the planet Ran because they are super science, and get rid of the planet Thanagar because they have the Hawk people." And that'll be a nice way to kind of use the. And I didn't put this in the challenge, but I thought it'd be kind of neat. So my Hawkmen will be my um, what's the word the Nova, Nova Corps, Corps, you know. So that'll that'll be kind of fun there too. They will um, they'll basically prevent the planets from being destroyed, but they don't prevent the planets from being merged. You know, through the power of dance, they defeat the Sparrow because, uh, you know, dance defeats bad guys. And then they <laughs> will manage to source away from them. And then finally, once the power source is broken out of its containment, it will go back to Chip's finger, thus revealing itself as a Green Lantern ring. So in this movie, we get a grand scope of the DC Cosmic Universe. You know, we learn about the new gods. Uh, we learn about Starfire and Martian Manhunter. Uh, we learn about the fate of the planet Mars, and we get the Green Lantern Corps out of it. So I thought that'd be kind of cool because instead of it being Suicide Squad, where we get, I don't know, <laughs> we get a lot more. <laughs> hey, I like it. You know, and, and when you were talking about the Ultra Alien, I think is what you said his name was? Yes. Uh, it made me think about the one of the characters that I, I almost threw into my lineup, which was Metamorpho or even, you know, the the copy of him that they used in the outsiders, I believe his name was shift. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean that just the, the idea of, you know, the different parts and, in, in, in being a, a big guy, you know, a big powerhouse kind of thing. But you know, that's, that, that's an interesting uh, lineup. I, I really like that. That's uh that's, that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and well, I, yeah, want, I wanted to throw in some, uh, green lantern core members in there or something, but I just didn't know. I, I just felt like maybe, there was it, it 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 was too on the nose, but I, I like the the fact to use Chip because, yeah, depending on who writes writes him, he is a completely different character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was I remember reading him in the Green Lantern Corps book of the eighties, and he looked like a Mickey Mouse ripoff. I mean, he was literally running around in a pair of overalls with a Green Lantern logo on it. I just thought, oh my god, this character is horrible. And then if you remember the Green Lantern animated series that was just on TV recently, we saw him there as a, you know, basically a little chipmunk or, you know, he was a little squirrel, you know, and he had the little Green Lantern costume and he didn't speak. He just squeaked, you know, so yeah. Yeah, he's very much a, a tough character to see how they're going to use him. But I decided, you know what, I'll play with it. I'll put him in the rocket format, give him that technology background. And his mission is to recover his ring. All right then, I like it. Uh, and and listeners, we'd love to hear what you thought of our teams. And uh, you know, go ahead and and, and get a hold of us. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Chris is also on Twitter as at stuff I should have said. No stuff I should say. Uh, stuff being spelled no should be no s h u d. So. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Geek Elite Radio, it's at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter. Then go to our Facebook page, Geek Elite Radio, uh, on Facebook, and be a part of our conversation and be a part of the community because we'd love to hear from you. Uh, but check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio network. Chris, I mean, any, anything else that you wanted to throw in there before we go ahead and sign off for the last uh, for the for the end of this podcast? 
No, not really. I mean, I guess like, um, you know, obviously fans keep listening and, and keep reading the comics. Um, I'm very hopeful. I think as we come into 2017, we're getting closer and closer. I know I'm excited. You know, Rebirth has definitely made the DC Universe a lot. And Resurrection gives me hope about the X-Men side of the Marvel Universe. I'm hoping, you know, maybe we'll have Marvel Reborn, which will introduce Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman back to the Marvel Universe. And, you know, we'll, we'll get some fixing going on over there. So, I mean, uh, just every Wednesday, keep hitting your stores and every day keep hitting the website and talking to us because comic books, man, it's 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 a great time. <laughs> That's right. It is a great time, and and we'd love to to get hear more people talking about comic books on uh, with us. So, you know, get in there and be a part of the conversation. Uh, but until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.